Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. What we are not, please make us. For your Son's sake. Amen. Well, you're chatting with a friend, uh, and as you often do, as these conversations often go, they begin to explain that life is very busy. Uh, I'm sure you know that feeling. A little while ago, I made a little... uh, This is a couple of years ago. I decided when someone asked me how I was going, I wasn't going to say the word busy because... I felt like that's what I always said. Um, but just, I want you to picture this. You're chatting with a friend, and they're, they're explaining life's so busy, work, family, friends, uh, and that kind of feeling where it's almost, the demands are almost a bit stifling. Uh, such are the demands of time. Time can seem relentless, impossible. There they are. They're pouring out their hearts. And what do you say? Well, I believe our, our passage kind of gives us a bit of a framework for response. Of course, you, you comfort them, you agree with them uh, that it is relentless, but then you need to say it has been defeated. Time is demanding, we are at its mercy, but Jesus' resurrection proves that it has not had the final say, that somebody has conquered time. Jesus has defeated death and its demands on us, and Jesus can set us free. There is a great, great hope. Our passage today calls us to be witnesses, to bear witness to Jesus' resurrection, his victory, and his great salvation. Well, let's, uh, let's zoom in and uh, think uh, about the book of Acts. Uh, you'll notice we're starting a new series in Acts, um, and it is a wonderful book. It's always nice to start a new book. Uh, and so we're going to do a little bit of an overview. That's kind of the first part of our sermon. And then we'll come and finish off the passage after that. But firstly, um, part one, the Acts of Jesus. Acts, Acts is a precious book of the Bible to us. Uh, in a very real sense, the book of Acts is unique in Scripture. Uh, you know, there are four gospel accounts, and they're all pretty much the same. You read one, you read them all. <laughs> But these are the histories of Jesus, and there are four of these accounts. Um, But there's only one book of Acts, and there's only one book that explains from Jesus' ascension to us, the history of that moment, to us, the Christian church. Uh, Let me put it this way. um, Where is your history in the Bible? When you read the Bible, where is your history in the pages of Scripture? Where are you? Now, in one sense, you're a human made in God's image. We all are, and so every page of Scripture speaks to us. We are all sinners, and so every page is about us. But in another sense, very few pages are actually about you, are about us, the church. Uh, Because we are the Gentiles. We are not the Jews. We are followers of Jesus. We are the Christians, the Christian church. Uh, And that history is found in Acts. So our history book is the book of Acts. That's where you will find you, the Gentile, the newcomer, the churchgoer, witnessing to a pagan, secular, non-Christian world. That's us. Our history book is Acts. You might say that many of the, uh, the epistles, like Colossians, are our instruction book, uh, but Acts is our history book. Acts is the history of the start of the incredible growth of the Christian church. It begins uh, right at the start with 120 saints uh, and the apostles gathered in verse 15 of chapter 1. And then it ends, so it started with 120, it ends, and there's been incredible numerical growth. 
that 120 has turned into uh, you know, 10,000 conservatively, or maybe even as many as 100,000 followers of Jesus by the end of the book. Uh, they multiplied exceedingly. Uh, incredible uh, geographic growth as well. They, by the end of it, they had covered the whole uh, Roman Empire, taken over all the provinces. The church had spread. The book ends with an expectation of this continuing with Paul. Uh, it ends really well. Paul there, he's, he's under arrest, uh, and yet he's still preaching the gospel. He can't be stopped. It's, uh, the book of Acts is saying, Jesus' witnesses will witness, will continue to witness. The book of Acts, it's often called the Acts of the Apostles. Have you heard that, the Acts of the Apostles? Uh, but I'm going to say that's just plain wrong. Uh, Luke tells us what the book's about. He says, have a look at verse 1 there. You've got it in front of you. Verse 1 says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus. The first narrative is Luke's gospel. Uh, I wrote the first one all about, uh, all, uh, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up and after he'd given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so um, Luke was all that Jesus began to do. And now Acts is everything that Jesus continues to do. It's not the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of Jesus. A volume 1, Jesus began, and now volume 2, Jesus continues. It's the Acts of Jesus by the Spirit through His Apostles and Witnesses. And that's how the book begins. Jesus giving uh, His commission, this commission to His Witnesses for the Gospel Word to go out. So have a look at verse 8. You see the kind of commissioning there. Verse 8. It says, You will receive a power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So God wants His gospel to reach to all the ends of the earth by the Holy Spirit-empowered proclaimers. And so that's how we fit into the, uh, the, uh, the book of Acts the book of Acts tells us what we are to be as followers of Jesus. Witnesses. We're, we're meant to witness. Witness to the resurrection of Jesus. That, that is our character, our role, our purpose. The book of Acts is the history of how this began and was continued. It began with uh, Jesus on earth in Luke's gospel. Uh, and then it was continued by Jesus through his apostles and followers by the power of the Spirit. It began with Jesus... Uh, and then his apostles, and then throughout the book of Acts, the apostles die, um, are persecuted, and then you see the mantle picked up by the Christian church, who then continue taking out their message. And that's us. That's where we fit in. Now, if you're curious uh, about some of the places in that verse 8, uh, the, the commissioning, what, what they all mean, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, well, it's, it's a bit of a program. It's a roadmap. Uh, of the gospel witness. Jerusalem, it was going to start in Jerusalem, right at the center, and then Judea and Samaria, which was a way of saying all of Israel, the, the, the north and the southern kingdom that were divided in the Old Testament, the gospel is going to go to them and it's going to reunite Israel, the northern and southern tribes, and then to the ends of the earth, which initially meant the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was enormous. It was the ends of the earth. Um, but it's saying the Gentile world. It's just a way of really saying everywhere else everywhere that wasn't Israel. It started in Jerusalem, and then all Israel, and then everywhere. And so that's a bit of an overview of the book of Acts. But we've, uh, we've already started thinking through today's passage, haven't we? The entire <clears throat> first chapter 
of Acts that we had read is really setting up these eyewitnesses, uh, the apostles, that would then uh, give us the scriptures that we have. You know, you think of the, the scriptures that we have, they were written by the uh, apostles in large part. They gave us the authoritative testimony, the, the accounts of these witnesses. And so our scriptures, our account, uh, was based on their account. The basis of, of scripture was their eyewitnesses, um, the fact that they were able to testify and to witness. Um, and so this is the plan. This is what Jesus wants to have happen. And so he lays it out at the start of the book of Acts. Um, and it's in Acts, uh, uh, it's in the Acts of Jesus, the things Jesus did by the Spirit uh, through his apostles and witnesses. You can see how it all works. Um, Jesus is a very good delegator. You can, see, you can see what he's doing here at the start of Acts. You know, in, the, in the world of business and management, it's a very important skill to be able to delegate. Um, and Jesus is a good delegator. He's not a micromanager. He isn't passively, aggressively sending you email checkups. He delegates this task to his church, to his followers. Jesus has to delegate because he's not here. Uh, he's on vacation in Bali, perhaps. Uh, don't worry, it's a working vacation. He still rules the world, but he's not here. He's not in the office anymore. Uh, he gives the work to his followers uh, who are left behind in the office or maybe they're out in the field. Verse 2, have a look at verse 2. You notice it says, Until the day he was taken up, after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. You see, he's delegating it. He's gone now, he's been taken up, and so now he gives orders through the Holy Spirit. Maybe, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Asana, but one of those work messaging apps. Maybe that's the Holy Spirit. He gives orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, the witnesses uh, that he has chosen. So Jesus isn't uh, here, but he gives us his Spirit. And that's next week. Next week's the great Holy Spirit passage. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, But he gives us the Spirit so that we can get his work done as his witnesses by the Spirit's power. Did you notice in verse 8 as well, Jesus says to his apostles, you will be my witnesses. Well, witnesses to what? It's witnesses to the resurrection, isn't it? Verse 3 continues, um, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so he appeared to them and he gives them this proof, convincing proofs that he was alive, that he had resurrected. Uh, The term means a a compelling sign or a strict proof. And the the evidence, uh, the emphasis on the evidence he gives them is that he was physically resurrected, the physicality of the resurrection. You know, he eats and uh, he has all these little tests that you've uh, read about in the Gospels. And he's saying, I'm back and I have a body. Verses 1 to 3 are the summary of the book of Acts um, and indeed of how Jesus is at work today and what our role is in that. We are to witness to his resurrection. The eyewitnesses testified to its truth and then, as I said, by the book of Acts, they have all uh, died, the apostles, and then the witnessing is is picked up by the, the new Christians, people like us, who Jesus gave the role to. So I, I want to pause and reflect on this incredible moment in verse 3 uh, before we consider um, what happened after Jesus had ascended. But just imagine the scene in verse 3, what it must have been like. You know, Jesus presented himself alive to them 
And then he uh, explained, he told them about the kingdom of God. Imagine what that would have been like. You know, like, because I can stand here and I can tell you about the kingdom of God. And, uh, and you're like, you know, okay, it might be true. Uh, you know, Josh seems like a reasonable guy, uh, a bit mediocre, and I don't know what he's thinking when he put on that shirt, but he's clearly got bad judgment in some areas. But look, it might be true. I'm willing to consider this kingdom of God idea. But now imagine Jesus in verse 3, standing there in a resurrection body, <laughs> standing there alive from the dead, telling you about the kingdom of God. It would have been incredible. He was back from the dead, and not kind of back from the dead, uh, you know, like one of those movies where you think the guy dies, but at the last minute he rolls out of the way, and then, you know, no, no, he was, he was dead, but now he was back, and he was there, and he was telling these apostles, these eyewitnesses, about the kingdom of God. You would have believed it. You would have, you would have believed when he said, there is a better world, that all the pain, the suffering will be taken away, that you can trust in God. These witnesses would have been absolutely convinced. Just imagine what that moment would have been like. In fact, do you know what? We're meant to do more than imagine what it was like, uh, to imagine what it would have been like to witness that. We're meant to witness about it, aren't we? We're, we are past this mantle of these apostles to witness about the resurrection. And so when was the last time you told someone? Uh, when was the last time you witnessed about the resurrection, the truth? of salvation in Jesus. Because how badly our message needs, our world needs to hear this message. How badly they need to hear this message of hope. They need to know that the suffering all around us will not last, but there is a kingdom of riches that will. They need to know that all these broken bodies which never heal, which always die, will one day never be broken, will never be dying. There will be bodies that are eternal, that do not break. What a witness of hope that we can offer. And this world needs to know that Jesus has defeated death, time. He's defeated brokenness, defeated evil and suffering. But who will tell? Who will Jesus use to tell about his kingdom? His witnesses. The, uh, the application, the so what, the what do you want me to do from this passage, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Witness, be witnesses, be Jesus's witnesses. One of the um, themes of an Acts, uh, which I'm looking forward to looking at in future weeks, is persecution, and you see the effects of witnessing, um, and we're going to see that in the coming weeks. But we need to be telling those around us uh, that, um, and, and we can do this really to anyone. We can tell anyone about this. There are no rules. We just tell people about your hope. It's really that simple. Um, we at Snack, we're keen as a church to help you do this, to support you in that. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, the Life Nights um, that we're running a little later this year, in just a minute. Uh, but to be clear, the application from the passage isn't uh, do our program. No, you can witness anywhere, anytime. You don't even need my help. You have the Spirit of God. You can witness. Uh, but we as a church, we want to support you in this, and we've put together these Life Nights uh, to help us witness about Jesus. And we ran, it's, it's a little course. Uh, I think everyone here would know about it. We ran it last year. Uh, I'm going to tell you about how we're going to do it now. It's kind of going to be a little bit break in the sermon. And then we'll come back in a, in a minute or two, and then we'll finish off the last few verses. But when you, when you came in this morning, you would have got a little outline and then a bookmark uh, with some dates on it. So pull out that bookmark now. 
And if you don't have one, put up your hand, and I've uh, lined up Victor, who will come and drop one around. There's a couple of hands there. Um, So this bookmark, it kind of explains what the plan is uh, this year with the Life Nights. You'll notice there's some dates when we're running the Life Nights. Term one over at Carlton, and then term two here at Bexley North. And I think we got the best best term across snack, I just got to say. Term two is great. People have just settled into the year. It's not December when everyone's worn out. Term two is a really good time to be running something like this. The Life Nights, they're four Tuesday nights where we'll explain the gospel very clearly from Mark's gospel. It's over four weeks to give people time to think about it and to engage with it. We want to have people's lives turned upside down by this good news. Uh, And experience shows that doesn't happen in a moment. It takes people time to think about it. And so it's across four nights. So uh, these are here to help you witnessing, um, and that, that's the reason we're running the Life Nights, it's to help you in this uh, commission that Jesus has given each of us to witness about his gospel. So look at who the Spirit is putting in your life, uh, the friends, the neighbors, the family, and start witnessing about the resurrection, the rule of Jesus, and praying that the word will take root in their hearts. You notice there's um, uh, some uh, spaces at the bottom there, as you think and pray, Try and get a bit concrete about it. I'm going to try and invite this person along. And that's why we have some spaces there. Did you know that the National uh, Church Life Survey uh, recently reported that three in ten Australians would attend a church if invited by a a friend or a family member? Three in ten Australians. Um, They did a a survey, and and this is what people said. They would come. Three in ten of them said they would come. So almost one in three Australians... um, said they would come if invited. Uh, The the most significant reason they said, uh, these non-Christians said they would go along to church, was what we call a relational invite. It's an invitation by a friend. It's it's more about the relationship they have with with you, uh, and then you say, let me tell you about this great hope that I have. Do you want to hear more about it? And one in three people said yes. Isn't that amazing to think of the people that you know? One in three, imagine, would come if invited. And so this year we're running a Life Nights um, to help you with this witnessing. Uh, And uh, we're going to run it uh, at night, but if you're not nocturnal, we're going to run it during a day as well. And so we're going to run it at T10, and uh, Carlton have done this at Watt uh, previously, and so we're just going to copy their model, no need to reinvent the wheel. Uh, So it's a bit of a, if I can say so, a masterstroke in planning. We're going to run it on the Tuesday nights and then in the Tuesday mornings, and we'll kind of have all the furniture set up, and it's going to be very efficient. It's, it's pure genius, really. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the same four Tuesdays, and uh, T10 will set up the tables, and then they'll stay up, and then in the evening uh, we'll use them again, and then we'll pack them up. So it should work quite well. But we want every member at Snack to have been to one of the life nights. One of the things about running it uh, in the evenings last year was a whole lot of the T10 people who weren't free at night couldn't come. Uh, But now we're going to run it there because we want everyone to have been to one of the life uh, courses so that then they can think of their neighbor and go, you know what, I can imagine inviting them to that. It's very hard to invite something, somebody to something you haven't seen. And so that's why we're running it at T10 as well. Well, I think you get the idea. Do be thinking, witnessing, and praying. Uh, But right now, why don't we finish off our sermon? (laughs) So part two, I've got a couple of quick headings to take us through uh, the last couple of verses. Firstly, witnessing, not speculating. 
Uh, because our passage goes over uh, that wondrous moment when Jesus went up into the sky when he ascended to heaven. Uh, but there's just this great moment where the disciples kind of watch him go up, and then they're just, just kind of standing there gazing, you know, jaws open. Oh, he's gone. Like, is he, is he coming back? Do I, do I just wait here? It's this uh, great moment. So you see it in verse 9. Uh, it says, After he had said this, he was taken up, and they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus disappears into the sky, and then their reaction we get in verse 10. While he was going, uh, they were gazing into heaven, and then suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them, and they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you've seen him going into heaven. And so uh, they must have been just completely stunned, gazing up. Uh, of course, the angel's like, well, I better, better help them on their way here. And so he comes and he does. But of course, him going and them standing there, it begs the question, when will he return? You know, do I just wait here for him? Is he going to come like later this afternoon? I could just, do I have time to go get lunch? I don't want to miss it. When is he going to return? It's a great unknown. Uh, Jesus addresses it in his final words, uh, where there's an interesting interplay between the known and the unknown, uh, by living what we know versus living by what we don't. And so it comes up in Jesus' final conversation. It's amazing to think this was Jesus' last conversation here on earth. Uh, It comes up a few verses earlier, in verse 7, where the disciples essentially ask, you know, when's the end going to come? And then Jesus replies in verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set uh, by his own authority. So uh, when will it come? When will the end begin? It's not for you to know, says Jesus. So it's a great unknown, isn't it? We don't know when Jesus will return. Uh, And now the known, there are three things. Firstly, notice he says the Father has set the end and the period. So, So we don't know, but we know who does the Father. The end has been set by the Father's authority, we are told. Uh, You know, like the train timetable has been set by the authority of Sydney trains, uh, and the cosmic timetable has been set by God's authority, according to his timing. But then the second thing that we do know is verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then the third known, uh, and you will be my witnesses. So we know that we have the Holy Spirit and we are his witnesses. And so Jesus gives us three known things which are life-defining, life-changing. The Father will set the end, has set the end. We have the Holy Spirit and we will be witnesses. And so the point is, live by these things that he's given us. Live by the known, not the unknown. Don't live a life trying to work out when it will end. Rather, put your head down and use the power of the Holy Spirit and start witnessing. Jesus is sending us on our way. I don't know if you've seen people, if you know people that spend so much of their time focusing, trying to work out the end, exactly what's going to happen, what it's going to look like, and that before you know it, they're stockpiling uh, food and all sorts of things. and They're trying to live in light of the unknown. They should start living in light of the things that we do know taking what we know, hanging on Jesus' final words before he went up, and witnessing by the Spirit's power. Well, let me move through our passage. Uh, We get to the final section now. My final little heading is man down. 
because uh, the apostles, they do. They, uh, they hear the angel who says, get on with it. And so they do, they get on with it, with the task of witnessing. In verse 13, the apostles are all listed. And you notice the last one on the list was Judas. Judas, the betrayer of Jesus. And you, I think your, your blood's meant to boil when you see his name there. It's like, his name shouldn't be there. Uh, but we, we learn a little uh, later in verse 18 that he kind of got a, a just reward. It says he fell uh, headfirst, burst open in the middle, and all his insides spilled out. I should have given you a warning before I read that, shouldn't I? Judas, but the point is, uh, for the passage, he's no longer a living witness. He, uh, he, he had an accident, some terminal indigestion or something. Uh, th- but there are two things that are said about this. Firstly, uh, the betrayal of Judas... Uh, and, uh, and his death, it was all according to plan, is what the, the first chapter of Acts wants to stress. This was all the plan, that he would betray Jesus and he would die this way. Verse 16 says, Scripture had to be fulfilled. And verse 20 it quotes two Psalms prophesying this moment. So that's the first thing it wants to say about it. The second thing is then, though, that the apostles are a man down. They need another, uh, another witness. The original 12 witnesses... They were the foundation, we learn. They were to produce the authoritative account of Jesus, the official uh, record and testimony, and then all future witnesses would rely on theirs. Um, So, you know, I I can speak to you, and I do with certainty about Jesus and his life, but I didn't see him. But I'm certain these men did, uh, and I'm certain of of their account, of their testimony. And so with Judas gone, they're a man down. Verse 22 says... It's necessary that one becomes a witness with us of his resurrection. And so uh, verse 21 gives us the requirement. It needs to be someone from among the men who've accompanied us during the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Uh, And so verse 23, two are proposed who meet these qualifications. And verse 24, they pray for the Lord's guidance. Uh, And then verse 26 says... They cast lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias. So Matthias it is, decided by casting lot. Such an odd detail, isn't it, the lot casting? I don't know if you've, if that struck you before you read it, and you're like, why did they cast lots? Why is that there? I don't know what you make of it. <clears throat> but uh, upon reflecting, what the book of Acts is doing is, is uh, saying something about how we know God's will. Uh, lot casting, you could say, was the traditional old covenant way of knowing God's will, of deciding God's will. It's, it's good. It assumes God controls all things, even the roll of the dice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I think the details included here because the very next verse in Acts, the next chapter, which will be next week, is when the Holy Spirit comes, which will be the new covenant way of relating to God. We're going to have a very special relationship with God now that uh, these men, these apostles, couldn't have imagined before the Holy Spirit had come. It's a way that we can relate. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directs us. This is the new covenant way. Jesus has gone, but he sends us the Holy Spirit. And so we see the work of the Spirit uh, in an especially intense way all throughout Acts. It's one of the big themes, uh, offering guidance. But the Spirit it works through Jesus' witnesses to bring others to salvation, enabling them to witness. The Spirit is what enables us to do this. So that's why this detail is included here about the casting of the lots. The Spirit, the Spirit indwells Jesus' witnesses, giving them wisdom and knowledge of the risen Lord uh, 
so that they can witness. I think it's a great way to end our passage, to wrap it all up, knowing that Jesus is at work through us by the Holy Spirit. Why don't I pray? Father, thank you for these eyewitnesses that we may have confidence of the acts of Jesus who you raised to life again. May your spirit work powerfully through each of us as it did through them, that your gospel may go out to the ends of the earth, to every heart that has not heard the witness of your victory. Father, open our eyes to those you put in front of us that need to hear that Jesus is Savior and Lord of all. In his name we pray. Amen.